0: Psalm number 70, starting in verse 1. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Let them be ashamed and confounded that seek after my soul. Let them be turned backward and put to confusion that desire my hurt. Let them be turned back for a reward of their shame that say, Aha, aha. Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. And let such as love thy salvation say continually, Let God be magnified, but I am poor and needy. Make haste unto me, O God. Thou art my help and my deliverer. O Lord, make no tearing. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, O Lord, we gather here this evening around your word, praying that we may eat from your table, Lord. I pray that this evening you'll feed us from your word, that we may see what kind of deliverer we have in you. That you've delivered us from sin, Lord. You've delivered us from Satan. You've delivered us from self. You've delivered us from Damnation, you've delivered us from all the perils of this life that secure eternal damnation. Lord, I pray that you will make us realize this evening that you deliver frequently, you deliver freely from all evils. Lord, may we say this evening that the God who delivered Joseph The God who delivered Daniel, the God who delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is the same God that we serve this evening, who delivers from all. Lord, I pray that you'll be with us this evening. May we take refuge in you. In Jesus' name, amen. A familiar story was shared this past week, accounting Something, an event that happened on January third, third, two thousand and three. Help me, Lord. <laughs> Nothing I say now is going to be serious. Maybe we should pray and restart. <laughs> Levi, I didn't even get a laugh out of you. All right, let's try again. A familiar story was shared the other day, accounting event that happened. January 3rd, 2003, a young man by the name of Terry Dreyer found himself in severe distress when his boat had capsized in the ocean. He had found himself in such severe distress, I know this is hard to even imagine, but he had tried and treaded water for nearly 24 hours. He fought valiantly to survive. And after fighting valiantly to survive, he would soon be rescued. When they did an interview with him that was recapped on social media this past week, he would confess in the interview that he was of certainty that he was going to die. He talked about those moments, and you could see as... The tears filled his eyes as fear gripped his mind, recounting those days and hours of distress leading into this situation where he was casted into the sea. Soon he would be found by a helicopter and would be called in to the Coast Guard and the Coast Guard would dispatch the USS Comforter that was on the Persian Gulf. A warship would come and reroute itself to save and deliver this one man. Amazing thought. You know, there are many people this evening who I believe are in service to the Lord but are just barely treading water. They're doing everything they can to just, it seems like they're doing everything they can just to hang in there, yet they feel that all is lost in desperate need of a deliverer. I really feel like as I heard this story, my heart and mind was drawn back to Psalm 70 about a man who felt like he was just about to go under, a man who seemed to be lost with troubles in his life. You know, in reality, troubles and tribulations are given to us to promote within us a yearning for heaven, a longing and a reality to ultimately bring us to a place where we confess that this is not our home. We discussed this briefly this morning and was asked this just this past week. Since we believe that Romans 8.28 is true, that we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to the, the purpose, his purpose. Since we believe this, is it okay to still cry out to be delivered from a situation? If we believe that God is working in a trial, in a tribulation, and that he is the one who's solely working in us to promote something for his glory, is it okay to be asked to be delivered from something where God is working? You know, it's not wrong here, and it's not even wrong in our lives to ask for deliverance. The truth is that we need a deliverer. We need a deliverer from troubles here in Psalms chapter 70 in verse 1 and verse 5. Not only is the psalmist asking for a deliverer, not only does he want delivered from this situation, but look how he's beckoning God to help him. He said, make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Make haste unto me, O God. In verse 5 again, thou art my help and my deliverer, O Lord, make no tarrying. You see the intensity here. We don't fully understand what the psalmist was going through, but we can understand that he believed that his situation was so desperate that he was not going to be able to make it much longer. The intensity is like this man who was in the sea. He he believed that if any more time passed, that he was surely going to go under. As you read Psalm 70, really, it kind of brings you to a place of this haunting. If you've read through the Psalms at all, which I challenge you to read through the Psalms. But if you read through the Psalms, Psalm 70 is haunting because this isn't the first time you've heard this speech. Matter of fact, if you turn to Psalms 40, I'll briefly read it to you in verse 17. He says, but I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tearing, oh my God. Psalms 40 and Psalm 70 are the same cry out from David, which brings us to this reality That as David served God, as David lived for God, there were multiple times in David's life where he felt like he was going to go under. There was multiple times in his life where he felt like if God didn't act and act immediately, surely it would be his demise. I thank God that when I read Psalms 40, I get to read Psalms 41. I'm thankful when I read Psalm 70, I get to read Psalm 71. Making me realize that there are times in our life where we believe with all our hearts, if God doesn't intervene now, we will surely go under. But the reality is, is that David believed he was going to go under, yet God did not fully act upon his need in Psalms number 70, yet 71 exists. It brings us to the reality that God knows what he's doing. And though we think we immediately need to be delivered, God is always on time. I want to look at his approach to the throne of grace here. Make haste, oh God, to deliver me. Make haste. This is probably David's, not David's first time praying about this situation, but now it has bloomed into this overwhelming burden. Now it's arrived at this place where it's bigger than he could have ever imagined. Have you ever prayed to God to answer one of your prayers? Something big in your life and you felt like God did not hear you? Have you ever prayed With the utmost sincerity about something. Where you felt like you've prayed like you've never prayed before. Where you've prayed like you poured your entire heart out to God. Where you felt like you've got up from the prayer closet and you have hid nothing from him. And you've walked away from there. And the prayers that you poured out in the closet didn't get answered. Where you've poured it all out before him. You've shown him your person, personal pressing need. And you even passionately prayed even more. And yet it seemed like God did not hear your prayer. Because we believe if God did not intervene in this very moment. I'm sure we've been there. Passionately prayed so much. That we believed in this certain situation. If God did not intervene that the wheels would fall off this situation. I'm certain we've all been there. David gave this psalm, he says here, to the chief musician, right under Psalm 70, to the chief musician, the psalm of David, to bring to remembrance. David said, I want this to be written down to bring to remembrance of a time that I passionately prayed with all my heart and fervor for God to intervene and intervene now and though he didn't my life still went on i want to be reminded of this time of this situation and how i handled this prayer it's psalms or isaiah chapter 66 and verse 3 brings us to this prayer this is memorial of incense and it's about this memorial, uh, memorial of incense that's offered up before the Lord in Isaiah 66 and verse 3. Many believe that that's kind of what David is um, saying here to bring to remembrance. It's, it's actually to say to offer up as a memorial before God. Our prayer in truth is an offering of incense. It goes up before the Lord. God delights when we have confidence in him that he can answer our prayers. This past 4th of July, we were doing fireworks down in my mom's backyard. And we had sparklers. And as Levi was running around in the backyard with sparklers, he began to run low. And we had like this fine-tuned machine would, going on. As soon as his sparkler would get low, I would give him another sparkler, and he would light that sparkler off of that sparkler. Well, that box began to run out, and I didn't realize it, and he came come running across the backyard to me. Dad, I need another sparkler. I need another sparkler. And I couldn't get the box opened up fast enough, and the sparkler went out. And he said, Dad... <laughs> I, I needed you to hurry and give me another one. It was the rush. It was the pending moment. It was, Dad, I need you to do this, and I need you to do it now. But it, I was hindered from doing it. I was moved from the situation. And so the psalmist views his situation kind of like Levi viewed that sparkler. If you don't do something now, I'm surely going to burn out. If you don't intervene now, surely uh, something bad is going to happen to me. Make haste, God! oh God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me. He was desperate. He was in urgent need. In verses 2 and 3, kind of bring us to an understanding somewhat of the situation. He said, let them be ashamed and confounded that seek after my soul. Let them be turned backward and put to confusion, that desire my hurt. Let them be turned back for reward of their shame, that say, aha, aha. His enemies were gloating over his misfortune. His need seemed pressing, but it seemed that God was taking his time. This is a charge that it seems that Many believers have put to the name of God. You're taking your time. You don't, you don't hear my passionate prayers. You don't hear when I'm offering up this prayer unto you to intervene in my life. Do you not know how urgent this is? You know, it's amazing to me that we put this before God. Uh, you know, a phone call, a quick phone call will cause the police department to arrive at your home. Uh, a quick call to the fire, uh, fire department will have a fire truck on the way. A single SOS like we talked about in the beginning will have a battleship turn in the Persian Gulf to come and rescue you. When my son Seth fell a couple of years ago and broke his arms, I was sitting peacefully on the side of the lake when I heard, his, when he, when I heard him cry my name out of the woods. Dad! Mom! I could hear in his voice. He didn't even have to explain the story. I could hear in his voice that he was in pain and that he was in desperate need of me. I ran to him with all that I had. I hugged him, I kissed him, I carried him. His voice sprung me into action. I did all of that out of the heart of love. I'm sure that we've all responded to our children with the same heart of love. And then God is love. So the question we must ask ourselves is this. Do we believe that a loving God is any less concerned with our prayers? Are we really saying that God is less concerned with our prayers than the police department who makes a phone call or the fire department? Do we really believe that God is less concerned with us than we are for our own children? That's foolish thinking. Our cries, I believe even the softest cries, or even as Romans says, even when we do not have the words to say, I believe the prayers that we offer up before God thunders the very heart of God. It's like the siren in the fire truck station. When the fire alarm goes off, that's all that you can hear. I believe that when I pray and I offer up my prayers before God, it thunders at his heart and he wholly, only hears my prayers. It's not a mixed signal. Then we ask ourselves this question. If we really believe that our prayers thunder at the heart of God, then we must ask ourselves, then why doesn't God respond to our prayers in these emergency situations? Why doesn't God give us an emergency response? Why doesn't he silence our enemies immediately? Why doesn't he answer our physical ailments immediately? Why do we find ourselves in a place where we're constantly offering up prayers and supplication for God to save our spouses, for God to save our children? Why do we have to continue to do this if we believe that God is so passionately after hearing our prayers? Why do we find ourselves here? Why does he not deliver us immediately? The answer is so simple. God does not work on our time schedule. That's not a cop-out, it's a reality. We've seen this even time after time, even in the New Testament, do we not? Remember when Jesus was on the other side of the Jordan and his beloved friends over in Bethany sent a messenger unto him and said, Lord, you must return soon. Our brother is sick, nigh, near unto death. Return and return now. The situation is, is grim. Can you imagine the conversation when the messenger arrived back to Mary and Martha's home? Did you tell him? Yes, I told him. Did you tell him it was urgent? Yes, I, I told him it was urgent. What did he say? He said that this sickness was for the glory of God. What do you mean? He said the sickness was for. Did he follow after you when you walked away? Is he coming? Well, when I walked away, he he wasn't following me. (laughs) Did you not tell him that Lazarus was about to die? Yeah, I told him that Lazarus was about to die. And then within a few short days, what do we find? Mary and Martha overwhelmed as they buried Lazarus. (laughs) But God arrived. The Lord arrived the next day four days outside of a tomb. There he stood and cried out, Lazarus come forth. He was late in their mind, but he was just on time. And that is the reality of it all. That we beckon God to act and act immediately. But he is most glorified when he operates and we operate on his schedule. These next two verses David prays that God would visit these people, that he would make them ashamed, that they would be confounded, that they would be turned back, they would, that they would be brought to a place of confusion. And what we really, what do we really think about these imprecatory prayers? Is it well for us to pray in this manner? I mean, do we sit back when we see enemies? in this world, in this life, when the senator does something that we don't like and we view him as evil, do we pray like David prays and that God will break their teeth off? I mean, is this the method in which we are called to pray? I think there's something that we need to realize, and it's really several thoughts, that realize that David lived in an age of law. We live in an age of grace. In David's time, if you lived in wickedness, it automatically provoked a curse from God upon you. And it's true, those who persecute the people of God and wish ill upon them, God himself will reckon them. But it doesn't change the fact that we live in the age of grace. Remember what the Lord said in Matthew. Ye have heard that it has been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Imagine in times of great troubles and trials when I find myself saying, why? Why is this happening to me? When I find myself in situations where I feel like people are mistreating me, when I find myself in situations where people are misspeaking against me, when I feel like there are troubles in my life, and I don't exactly understand why I am reminded of the text in Deuteronomy chapter 32 in verses 11 and 12. Moses was now at the end of his life. He was unable to cross over into the promised land. Yet he offered up one little last piece of information unto the children of Israel. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth about her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings, so the Lord did lead them. And yet there was no strange God with them. It is to say this, how did the eagle manifest his love or her love towards her children? How did she show this? Was it by defending her nest? No, though she could defend her nest. No, the way that it says here that she showed her love is that she stirred up her nest. Now, this doesn't make much sense to us, but when an eagle has little, little babies in the nest, when it comes time to leave the nest, the first thing the mother eagle does, it takes off the soft cushion inside the nest so that all the bare sticks are exposed. These bare sticks begin to poke at the little eaglets, making them realize that this is not their forever home. And then before long, the mother eagle starts to destroy the nest, making them realize this ain't your home at all. Everything's crumbling around you. It is almost time to fly. And so it is even with us, even in our own life. God's soul peels away the cushions, the comforts, the luxuries of this life. The things that we hold dear, they're crumbling down around us the loss of loved ones, the loss of comfort, the things that we have in this life. It's not because God doesn't love us. It's not because God doesn't care about us. It's not because God doesn't hear our prayers. He is trying to bring us to the place where we realize this is not our home. But until then, I don't want you being comfortable sitting in one place. I have plans for you as you journey through this life. This is not God's will that we are comfortable in this life. So we ask ourselves, as this eagle tears down the nest, what is God trying to do even for us? What was God trying to do for David? Look at this transition. He gives this little imprecatory prayer in verses 3 and 4. But then in verses 2 and 3, but then in verse 4, what does he say right after that? But let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. And let such as love thy salvation say continually, let God be magnified. There it is. There is the reason for it all. That God will be magnified. The Lord will always bring his people through, whether sooner or later. We will stand in victory. That's what the Bible says, weeping may endure for a night, but what? Joy cometh in the morning. Listen, in verse 4, David's enemies still exist. God hasn't brought down judgment upon them. And David is simply turning them over and saying, they're yours to deal with. But while you're dealing with them, Lord, in my life and in all those who love your salvation, let your name be glorified. Let your name be magnified. Even when it wasn't made right, let God be magnified. Where would we even get this thought? This is not just an Old Testament teaching. This is a New Testament teaching. When we follow the footsteps of our Lord, that old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering suffering and shame, that which Christ endured, whereby God would use through Christ's death, it would be the instrument that would be used to bring Adam's ruined race to God. Yet he suffered, but in the end God was magnified. Yet he suffered, but he still looked to God. Yet he suffered, he knew that he would suffer in this physical life, yet the Bible says in Hebrews, he counted it worthy to endure the cross. He was willing to endure it. He was willing to suffer so that God would be glorified. Oh, how he closes this psalm. He says in verse five, but I am poor and needy. Make haste unto me, O God. Thou art my help and my deliverer. O Lord, make no tearing. One who feels that is, he is in need of nothing God cannot do much with. He must first see that he is in desperate need. On the night before Jacob was due to meet Esau, he sent his family over the brook of Jabbok. And he waited there and he talked to the Lord. As he was in his tent alone, the Bible lets us know that another man appears there in might, and he was glorious. And you know what Jacob did as he met this man? The Bible lets us know that within a few short verses of this man appearing, that Jacob has him in the wrestler's grip. Here he is, wrestling with the angel of the Lord, trying to get a blessing from the Lord in a carnal fight. Wrestling hard. And that's not how God works. We cannot wrestle blessings from God. We cannot carnally come after God to have him answer our prayers. He really gives him his all. He, you know, in, in Jacob's mind, he can handle this situation too. He can wrestle a blessing from the angel of the Lord. He done managed Laban. He done managed Esau. He done managed Isaac, and now he's going to manage this. And they wrestled and wrestled and then God what? broke him. This was the first time in Jacob's life where he would be broken and there for the rest of his life we find that Jacob would walk with a limp. In his strength and in his power he wrestled. But there after this moment forward he was only able to cling. His strength was gone. But you know what the beauty of that whole situation is? He walked away broken helpless, and needy. And you know what we find in the rest of Jacob's life? God blessed Jacob. It's only when we realize that we are poor, needy, and helpless that we can understand and believe that God will make haste to us. It's when we come to him in this state of brokenness, in this state of, neediness in this state of calling and crying out to him but in the same breath when we cry out to God we must learn to cry out with confidence and cry out that though we may believe with all of our heart that God must act now we must cry out believing with all our hearts that when he answers that we only want him to answer it in his time not our times not our times. We want God to answer our prayers on His timing. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we give thanks to you for being our deliverer, for being our strength, for being our comfort, or for being our helper in a time of need. Lord, I pray that we stand and give testimony even in of our lives about how you've delivered us in many ways, just like you've delivered all your children in times past. And ultimately, Lord, we'll be delivered from the final death. Lord, we give thanks to you for all that you've done. Lord, there are many out of the building this evening sick with ailments. Lord, I pray that you help them, strengthen them, Lord, and bring them back, Lord, so that we can worship together. Lord, I give thanks to you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.